On the Riabu podcast today, we are talking about freelancers. Now, there are many people, of course, especially in a gig economy, who do all sorts of freelance work, uh, whether it's graphic design or writing. But the problem for you as a freelancer, of course, is that not only are you the one delivering the service, you are also the one responsible for writing the invoice and collecting payment. And what's the bet? Quite a number of you will be saying, I seem to be spending extraordinary amounts of time just chasing invoices. I actually don't even have time to do the work. So on the Riabo podcast today, Simon Littlewin and I are chatting with Cheryl Tay, who is a freelance writer. And I'm sorry to hear, Cheryl, you've had all sorts of difficult times yeah. trying to chase payment. Tell us the story. Well, you know, I, I started freelancing at the age of 18, you know, just to make some money while I was, you know, in school. And, you know, I was basically a writer. I would do anything, copywriting, articles and all that. So I think for me, it was like a, a real learning process because the very first um, job that I had, you know, I just, you know, sort of took the, the, the client at his word, you know, and ended up being paid way below the market rate, you know. And from there, I said, okay, you know, now we're going to have very, very specific parameters surrounding why I'm supposed to be paid a certain amount for a certain piece of work. So, you know, um, a dollar a word for an article, for example, or, you know, $50 an hour on a project, you know. Um, but then the problem came when uh, I would have these conversations in black and white, you know, over messenger apps, you know, WhatsApp and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I would keep a record of it. And, you know, these people were recommended to me by mutual acquaintances in the industry who needed somebody to, to write for them, you know, to produce some copy for them. And then they would try to backpedal. So there was one instance where someone needed me to write a lifestyle article for her blog. You know, she was sort of positioning herself to be some type of mommy blogger, travel blogger type of person. Mm -hmm. And then she said, okay, uh, I just need you to write a short article. And, you know, I said, okay, $250. Mm -hmm. Simple thing. Um, and she, I submitted it to her. She said, yeah, I, I like it, but I don't think I'm going to use it. And she tried to wiggle out of paying me, even though I'd already done the work. Uh. And she didn't want to use it in the end. So I had these black and white conversations between her and me. And I said, look, you know, if you're not going to pay me, um, then I suppose I'll have to take some screenshots and uh, share it on my socials for everyone to see, you know, just what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And so the aspect of social media shaving for, for non-payment <laughs> did actually come in there. Right. Um, but you had it all in black and white that she was going to pay you. Yeah, exactly. I had it all in black and white, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, so she got, she, she said some nasty things to me and she tried to play the victim. But my approach did work because in the end she did pay me. For the, for the work done. For the work done. And, and so you, the, the, the problem I guess is twofold. One is whether or not to get paid and you seem to also be spending a lot of time just chasing payment from customers who do want to pay, am I right? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, like, I think the key here really is, I've of course since learned, you know, that you need to be very, very clear, not just in, in black and white over text message and then use it to threaten them afterwards if they are <laughs> delaying your payment or not paying you or not paying you enough. It really takes a lot more stress out of the equation if you have a specific invoice format that you can clear with the client first. Mm -hmm. You know, so most of my recent jobs, I would say, um, I've had a, a specific in invoice format 
um, and especially for companies that may not be too experienced with using freelancers for, for their work, you know, it helps to have a specific format that you explain to them and you can sort of be in control there and say, okay, you know, I want 50% upfront and then 50% when the whole, when the whole thing is complete. Mm-hmm. Um, so that works. For companies who are used to uh, outsourcing their work to freelancers, um, either they, you can ask them for, for an invoice format. You can tell them to send you um, what their invoice format is and you can use that format and then there is no room for error. There is no excuse for them not to pay you as long as all the information that is listed on the invoice is, uh, is filled up you know, by the freelancer. You know, or if they don't have an invoice format and they ask you to send one, send it to them, but immediately after sending it to them, you know, let them know that, okay, I've emailed you the invoice. Um, please look through it and let me know if there are any discrepancies, any errors, you know. And if they don't reply you soon enough, you know, send a reminder email or give them a call or a text message just to show that, you know, you really want to move forward with the project. Because if there are any issues with the invoice format in the first place, then, you know, you might be wasting your time doing the work for them. And mm-hmm. then in the end, not getting paid because there are some unresolved issues with the format yes. or with the information that's on the invoice. Simon Littlewood, uh, you also write a great deal, Global Finance Magazine mm. in New York, among many others. I'm sure Cheryl's story resonates with you. Yes, although, um, Cheryl, you did a lot of things right. I mean, because as, as we've talked about a great deal at Riabu, nailing all the terms and conditions before you actually do the work is really important. Unfortunately, no amount of that can compensate for for bad faith. Yes. Um, and that's one of the problems. But but there is, so, 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 so first of all, for a transaction like this, all the ins and outs need to be clearly defined. And actually, it's not impossible that you give access to your own website where, for example, you might include details of prior customers who've not paid. Um, just so there's an implicit message there, you know, which is, we might take this seriously, yeah. Uh, the second thing that occurs to me is, what about actual ownership of the content? In what sense do you continue to own it until it's paid for? And is that a condition that you want to put into your freelance contract, which says, I'm doing this for you, you know, the ownership of this and your ability to use it transfers at the time that you pay me. That's another thing that you can do. Unfortunately, I can't do it with large global magazines because they're huge and they'll say, well, we have this department and that department. They're structured to make it as hard as possible for me to chase anything. Yeah. Um, but um, <laughs> I'd say you've done pretty well and, and I've had problems getting paid by magazines, sometimes mm-hmm. because they don't have any money, sometimes because they're waiting for, 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 for money from their advertisers. Well, the, especially writing, you could say, is one of those areas where not only is it a bit fuzzy as to what the value is, right? I mean, how do you, what, what is the currency of the word? Is it a dollar a word? Is it US dollar or a Singapore dollar, right? Or it's less than it was, I can tell you that much. <laughs> I mean, having been a writer for 20 odd years, uh, you know, yeah. I had four or five magazines that I wrote for a decade ago, including bylines in two of them, yeah. and they all pretty much got rid of all yeah. their independent freelance writers. Yeah. So how important was it for you, Cheryl, to then define precisely what the value is so that there was a black and white view not only of what the amount was, but of the value that people were getting? Well, you know, again, it really depends on uh, the company that's engaging you and also your own, your own um, terms and conditions. So if a company is asking you to quote them a price, you know, you can simply explain, you know, okay, for a project like this, that maybe I dedicate three to four hours a day to, 
you know, I would charge um, 50 an hour, for example. You know, that's my, that's my standard rate. And normally they will not ask you, but why should I pay you 50 an hour? Like, the, you know, they will say, oh, that's a little bit out of our budget. Maybe it could be lower to 40 an hour, for, for instance. Or, you know, per word hour. You have to be flexible in that sense. Because if you really, like, like Simon said, you know, it's less than what it was. And, you know, in, in order to, as a writer, I think, survive, I would say, you know, you, you need to be flexible in the kind of jobs you take. Of course, don't let yourself be lowball, but you need to be flexible with the payment format. So do I want to be paid per word? Do I want to be paid per hour? Do I want to be paid per article? So if it's a series of short articles, you might say, yeah, okay, 100 an article maybe. Mm -hmm. If it's a long form article, go ahead, charge them per word. You know, and if it's a project basis, like you know, I had to create a, a whole presentation for this company, um, then and, and create the script to go along with the presentation as well, then I, I just charge per hour because mm -hmm. that one is more time consuming. So that's my format for that. Yeah. So know. I guess you're offering flexibility, a certain amount of segmentation. Yes. So rather than say take it or leave it, you're saying is it per hour or per word? Yes. Simon, when it comes back to invoicing, mm -hmm. uh, What's your experience with that? Well, sort of whichever, and it's interesting because one of the magazines I write for has that segmented structure. So they have a lot of online material now. They've shifted, the magazine's got thinner and thinner, mm -hmm. and the website's got bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah. And they charge a fixed, they pay a fixed amount for anything that you put on the website, not very much, mm -hmm. but they still occasionally ask for features for the magazine where they pay a per word amount. And those, those two things require two different approaches, right? Mm -hmm. um, either way, though, you need a firm agreement and yes. you need to be clear about when they're going to pay you. And it's worth having that conversation up front. Yes. Um, uh, worth having it up front. And also, as you pointed out, making sure that you tease out of them precisely what they need to see on your invoice in, yep. in order to pay it. Because sometimes they might accidentally on purpose <laughs> forget to tell you a small detail. And we're laughing because uh, you know, as freelancers and, and independent businessmen, we're, we are so familiar with this uh, unexpected conditions suddenly appearing from left field yeah. late in the day. It's very frustrating. For freelancers generally though, isn't it also the case that precisely because it's the gig economy, there is something temporary about it all. In fact, it's even called the informal economy, isn't it? Doesn't, I mean, in many freelancers' minds, they might also take that very informal approach to getting paid on time, right? That, that the two it, perceptively, the two go hand in hand, that if you're only a temporary gig economy, you know, you're a freelancer, you're just doing this little project, having a contract, a formalized agreement, doesn't seem to match. Well, the fact of the matter is that if you're dealing with a big company, they know the value of cash very well. And it might suit them to adopt the notion that, hey man, it's all very relaxed, you know. But the reality is, business is done on the, on the basis of firm agreements. And if we're going to have civil business, we need to make clear agreements and we yes. need to stick to them. Um, you know, you and I have published a book which talks a lot about this very topic, yes. that mm. making an agreement in business and sticking to it is a, is a fundamental part of civil discourse. Uh, you know, in, the, in yes. the same way that political discourse is, 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 is civil. You have to be able to trust what somebody says to you. No question. Yeah. And Cheryl, you already had the WhatsApps in place. Do you think the reaction from that lady who asked you to write the travel blog, for example, that her reaction might have been different if you had logged a contract her way rather than just discussing it over WhatsApp? Oh, for sure. I, I think, you know, she was obviously the kind of person who, you know, wanted to take advantage and wanted to 
push as far as she could go and see whether she could get away with it because the same weekend that she was supposed to pay me, I saw her posting on Facebook that she was taking a business class flight with her family to Japan, you know, and staying in an expensive hotel. Right. So that really ground my gears, you know, um, <laughs> and, and it made me even more um, indignant about the whole, the whole affair. You know, and because what's two hundred and fifty dollars when you're flying business class yes, to Japan? Yes, exactly. Right? You know, and you know, I, I would still have survived without the two hundred and fifty dollars. But the principle of the matter is, you, 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 I've already spent my time doing this job for you. So, whatever you decide to do with the content that I've given you, that's really none of my concern. Mm. As long as you pay me for the job that I've done, you know. And I do think that you know, sometimes people have this sort of um, uh, mentality, especially when they are referred to. Uh, clients by, by mutual acquaintances or friends or even family members that, oh, you know, the contract just makes things um, a little too formal and perhaps unpleasant. Oh, uh, we'll just take each other's word for it, you know. Um, and most, of co most communication is done over text nowadays. Yes. So, of course, for safety, they'll keep the, um, keep the message logs just in case anything goes wrong, you know. Do you think you'd lose gigs if you didn't I mean, if you, if you did, in fact, send a written contract. I, I don't think so, because I, I do think that, you know, even if you're a freelancer and people are trying to take advantage of you, somebody has to respect you, and that's yourself. And, and you need to really protect your own business and your own output, um, your own income, um, by having these uh, specific contracts in place. You know? And um, honestly, if I had had a, a contract or, or a specific invoice that I had sent to her in the first place, um, this might not have happened. Maybe it would have, but I think the possibilities were lower. And as satisfying as it was to, to see her, you know, sort of squirm when I, when I threatened her, um, I would really rather avoid that in the in general scheme of things because then it makes dealing with your potential customers a lot easier, a lot more straightforward. And they remain your customers. And they remain your customers <laughs> and, you know, you get a wider network of customers because they may refer you to other customers. Yes. Yeah. And Simon, isn't that just the point of let the cash flow the book? To make sure that you do have good conversations with yeah. customers. Uh, and congratulations on, on being ready to call out people who don't treat you well. I think, I think that's absolutely the way to do it. And in the gig economy, that's the, that's, we have no choice. Yes, to do that, which know. is in fact what the Riabu portal is all about, yeah. adding reviews of how your customers pay you. Yes. But any uh, other thoughts, Simon, about how to go about establishing a contractual relationship in a freelance world? Well, uh, you know, an obvious thing to do is to talk to other people who work for the same publication. Uh, I mean, I try and do that. So, because uh, on at least one occasion, I've actually declined to write stuff um, or even to submit quotes for other types of work because I've heard Sometimes via social media, sometimes you just Google them and, yeah. and a whole bunch of stories just drop out of, uh, of the ether mm -hmm. about how they've you know, misled suppliers in the past and have taken forever to pay them. I mean, it's, it's worth doing that. Um, but assuming you're going to go in with good faith, you're absolutely right. Just get a very simple but very clear agreement. And if, and if as we say in the book, they are evasive and don't want an agreement, well, that already tells you something about uh, the way that they're likely to do business with mm -hmm. you. you know, the, yeah. mm -hmm. But it's definitely more than a WhatsApp, is what you're saying. I think it should be more than a WhatsApp, and I think once you get into the habit of doing it, it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, you know, have a proper template. Um, always yeah. ask if they have one of their own that they, they're prepared yes. to use, uh, which is what you, what you did. So, so I think you did well. Um, mm -hmm. And um, my heart bleeds for you as a fellow freelancer. <laughs> Cheryl, any final thoughts on the whole infrastructure that as freelancers people lack, such as 
how to write the invoice. When you want to be writing stories, um, how to make sure that the, the contractual terms and all of the, I guess, the administrative stuff around the sale is taken care of, when in actual fact you just want to get on with writing. I mean, you know, of course you want to concentrate on the work, but, you know, bef before you spend your time writing, you know, it's definitely worth spending time um, you're f uh, creating a, that invoice template or asking for one from the company if they have one you know, from the client. And, you know, because if they're not going to, you know, if, if they are not going to be clear on it, then you can at least, you know, walk away from it if you don't feel that, okay, this is, this is not going to work out because they are being very wishy-washy about it. They, they have issues with my format, but they don't want to send me their format. You know, some clients are like that. Mm. You know, they want to take you on for the job, but then, you know, they, they, some, sometimes they just want work to be done cheaply and maybe they want to lowball you. Whatever their reasons may be for not wanting to honour uh, the invoice or the contract, at least you can get a, a glimpse into what's, what might possibly happen if they are already, from the start, not clear about what they, what they want to do in, term, in terms of the, the contract that you want, you're supposed to enter into with them. Mm -hmm. So I do think that spending time on these things is necessary if you want to save time in the long run. Like, okay, maybe I'm, I don't think that this client um, is going to be a good client, so you can just walk away from the project. Yes. Sometimes yes. there's nothing like asking for a signed contract or a purchase order yes. that separates the wheat from the chafe, yes, right? Exactly. Because the ones who don't want to issue a purchase order, you've probably saved yourself a whole lot of trouble. But Simon, especially with something like freelance work um, and, and something like writing, or maybe you're a music composer and somebody's asked you to compose a jingle, right? Or whatever it happens to be. Um, one of the points made in the book is all about, you know, we've delivered the product or service to specifications. And in that same binary way, we now expect to be paid. But the problem with the creative industries isn't just the problem, that it is very hard to tell whether the product or service is Before we wrote the book, actually, you talked to a, to a young fashion designer in Singapore. I don't know if you remember this. It was a couple of years ago. He had exactly this issue. He'd gone in and he'd got in, invested in his creative process, came, come up with a whole bunch of things, didn't get paid for them. Mm -hmm. The person he was working with took the designs. And the next thing he knew, his designs were in the shop. Um, there's something about the creative personality, first of all. Uh, you write because you probably enjoy writing. I know I love writing. Um, the danger is if you love it too much or if you love designing clothes or if you love writing music or whatever it is, that you do it for the love mm. and you think it's almost demeaning to have to bother with the, uh, the nitty-gritty of writing a contract. But the reality is you need to. And we've all learned the hard way that we need to, you know. Um, and, um, but about the quality aspect, um, for example, Cheryl will do the research. You'll make sure that you're meticulous in terms of your uh, fact-checking, and then you put your heart and soul into the written word. The problem is that the client might then say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's OK, but that's not the way that I would have written it, for example, right? Or the other one um, when it comes to video productions, music, right? Oh, yeah, it's, it's OK but it's not the quality that I expect. And you're thinking, well, what do you mean it's not the quality? This is exactly what you asked for. How do you account in a contract for something as simple as a different taste, right? Some a different expectation. Cheryl's work is high quality, but they were just expecting something else. Well, you can, you can provide for a limited amount of edit is the way that I would do it and have done it which is, you know, you're entitled to review. So I'm going to submit this many words on the, this topic, and this is what you've asked for. And 
you know, within reason, I'm prepared to, to re-edit it based on feedback. However, I will only allow that for a period of, of a few days mm -hmm. after I initially submit it. And after that, um, the product will be deemed to have been accepted um, and the invoicing process will be launched. You know? yep. So, so the, I mean, because that's another issue we haven't actually touched on, which is the eternal re-edit. Oh, yes. which, mm. which I've had again and again and again and again, you know. Yes. And it, if, if, you're, if you write for an agency, which I've done a couple of times, and their client doesn't like it, you're kind of in the, in the middle where you never, yes. you never talk to the client. Yes. So you've got no idea whether they have any clue what they want, and quite often they don't. <laughs> they just say, oh, the client doesn't like it. I say, well, it's what you asked for. Yes. Well, exactly. <laughs> so, Cheryl, how are you managing that? I mean, yeah, I, I put a limit on a single round of edits, you know. And I follow the brief, of course, and you know. But the thing is, the you know, if it's only a 500-word article, for instance, takes you a couple of minutes to read. Um, the client doesn't necessarily see the value of it in the sense that you spend time doing your research, you spend time writing and editing the article, and making sure that you know all the facts were there, that it reads well, that it flows well. They don't see that. They just see the finished product. And you know, sometimes have the audacity to say things like, "Well, it's not how I would have written it." Exactly. Well, then why don't you write it yourself then? <laughs> yes. You know. Um, so yeah, there has to there have to be uh, certain expectations from the outset. Like you know, if there are any changes, let me know. I'm happy to make one round of changes. You know, and let me know by a certain time. Yes. You know, and there have been projects that drag on a bit longer, and I say, well, you know, if I'm being paid by the hour, then it's supposed to conclude on this date, um, but you need to extend it. Um, because you want me to add more things to it, to make more changes to it, then I'm going to charge you even more, just a heads up. Yes. Uh, and my format of taking 50% up front is sort of to, to make sure they're committed. Like, yes, I'm going to do this job, but my terms are that I want 50% up front, and once everything is completed, all the changes are made, everything is finalized, I'm happy to collect the, the rest of the 50%. Yeah. So they're already invested in it. You know? yes. And it's sort of, that was that so good faith. Once you've paid me half, you've shown me that you're invested, I will happily go ahead and do the job and I will do the best job that I can do and deliver the work and collect the rest of the money later. So these are ways that I think freelancers can really protect themselves. Mm -hmm. you know, and like Simon said, a lot of us do it for the love of it. I love writing. You know, some people love designing. Um, and, and it can be hard to sort of walk away from it when it's time to walk away, even when it's time to walk away from it. Like, okay, you know, I've started to do it, but this client is being too difficult and, they are, and, and they're asking for the sun, the moon and the stars for the very basic price that they're paying me. You know, and normally I would charge more, but it's not worth the heartache. You know, and or they don't know what they want. Exactly. And or they, they don't know what they want. And they're using you to kind of try and figure and, it yeah, out. And, right? and then, you know, they waste a lot of time. You know, and if they want to waste their own time, that's fine. But for a freelancer, time really is money. Mm. You know, so... Um, there has to be, you really have to grow a, a bit of a thick hide, I would say, and be like, and, and know when to just cut it off and be, okay, um, I'm going to move on and, and, and do work on other projects for, for that are more fulfilling, that, that are less of a waste of time, you mm -hmm. know, a worthy use of my time and my talents. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess as a client, uh, don't hire a freelancer if you'd think that you can write it better, yeah, as you so exactly. nicely put it just now. Uh, or at least go in with the understanding that this freelancer is probably not going to write it the way that I would, but that's okay, right? And hopefully the clients will have the, what's the word, Simon, magnanimity, uh, in order to, um, to accept that difference. Would you agree? Well, every client is different. And, uh, you know, we live in a world where people can be very relaxed about these kinds of things. And companies that used to be, remember, the publishing industry has gone through serious trauma. It, 
it, it shrunk massively, and what's going on online has basically taken massive amounts of revenue away from the publishing industry. So they're they're looking at cost cutting. So sometimes they mess you around. Yeah. Uh, the but the bottom line on being messed around on payment is it's in your hands. Yes. It has to be in your hands. It's no good not doing anything, not bothering with it, and then lamenting at the end of the day when you don't get paid. What you need to do is you need to hold them to account by ensuring right from the very beginning you've got exactly. everything, everything nailed down and you've looked them in the eye. And if, and if your sense or if other people that, you've, that have worked with them tell you that they maybe are not going to pay you, then maybe you have to walk away Yes. or demand for payment doing, in advance, yes. which you've talked about. Yeah. yeah, I mean, doing your due diligence on mm. the company beforehand and see if, okay, maybe I, I do want to take this project on or maybe it's a better idea not to. And putting your foot down, you know, uh, you know, if they are not going to agree to specific terms, or if you are not happy with the terms that they are presenting, you can always walk away. Yeah. Um, we talked about agents briefly, and I just wanted to, as the two of you are talking, I'm thinking sometimes dissociating yourself from the payment process might be a way that you can still focus on what you love doing, which is to write, and have somebody else do the chasing. All right. That way. If it is time to cut the client loose because they're not paying you, you don't then feel that compulsion to finish the job for the love of it. But of course, if you are an agent, then you need to be the one who has those good collection processes in place. You need to be the one who establishes whether the client is um, bona fide, whether they do in fact you know, have an invoice template that you need to follow and so on. Well, due diligence isn't that hard to do anymore because if, 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 if a company is shorting its suppliers on a regular basis, you'll find it online. You'll find it at riabu.com. Yeah, and, uh, and it's worth, it's worth yeah. finding that out. I know, I know a wonderful couple, good friends of mine. He is a creative, he, he's a photographer, his wife is an accountant, and uh, all he wants to do is the work, and all she wants to do is get the cash in. So, uh, that's, so that's they, pretty good, actually. They, play, they play good cop, bad cop, you know, um, and I think that works for them quite well, yeah. Simon, any final thoughts then on what are the, maybe the five or the six, six steps or things that freelancers really ought to have? We've talked about contracts, invoice, what else? Um, well, I think, you know, the thing about human reactions, interactions is, is you can use your own judgment when it comes to working with people and try not to get carried away by your creative juices, your desire to, to write, to photograph, to, to create music, to create beauty, whatever it is. If you don't want to be paid, that's fine. But if you do want to be paid, <laughs> then at the end of the day, you have to just park your enthusiasm and you need to actually make a list of the things that you need to do. And if you need to know what that list is, come to reargue.com where we lay it out for you. Or buy the book, Let the Cash Flow. Thank you very much, Cheryl Tay, for sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me here, uh, Mark and Simon. And uh, Mark and Simon are, in fact, looking forward to your stories as well. If you are a freelancer, maybe a totally different industry than we've talked about so far, maybe you have some particular examples that you'd like to share or want to get uh, Simon's take on how to deal with recalcitrant clients in your industry, in your line of work, then drop us a line, service at riabu.com.